Hi and welcome to my latest podcast. I'm super excited you're joining me as we go through the Gospel of John and we look at Jesus through the eyes of one of his best friends and we come across some incredible theological gems, some wonderful stories and just this amazing perspective that's really different from the other three Gospel writers. So buckle up and join me, Paul White, as we saunter through the book of John. I've been hearing these stories since I was a tiny child and I'm telling you all these years later they still excite me and oh man this this is just such a classic. Um, John chapter 11 today if you just join in we're sauntering in the book of John, John's gospel, Jesus's buddy giving his own eyewitness account of what he saw. These extraordinary things that have not been even remotely matched by any other human being who's ever walked the earth. This is Jesus at his absolute best. Here he goes. So let's let's pray and just welcome him. Lord, we honour you. We love you. We love these stories. We love our hearts getting warmed as we reflect on you and think about you and think of your incredible love for us, your power, your beauty, all those things. Lord, pour them into our lives today in Jesus' name. Good morning, Kathy. Great to see you. So chapter 11, the death of Lazarus, it says in my Bible, now a certain man was ill, a certain man. He was a particular guy, Lazarus of Bethany, a friend of Jesus the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So he was their brother. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment. We haven't got to that story yet, but John's given us a little fast forwards. And uh, that Mary is the one we're talking about. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Good morning, Fran. And so this is really, really interesting. So let's read on just a little bit more. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So there's no one in that little threesome of that family that Jesus does not love. He loves them all. It's really important we understand that. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. This is really interesting, isn't it? So Jesus loves this family. They are his dear, dear friends. And we see the level of connection Jesus has with them as we read on through the story. But isn't it interesting that John adds that detail? He loved this family. He loved Lazarus. He loved Mary. He loved Martha. So he stayed two days longer. You would think John would be saying he loved these guys. So he got on his, borrowed a donkey, a high-speed turbocharged donkey and galloped all the way there as fast as the little animal's legs would carry it into Bethany. But no, he doesn't. He actually delays. He holds back for two more days. So Jesus hears from the family, but at the same time, 
he's also hearing from the Holy Spirit. He's hearing from heaven. He's hearing his father's perspective on it. And the Holy Spirit is saying, no, wait, hold back, Jesus. And don't just canter off on your little donkey to try and rescue the situation. Just hold fire. And so Jesus makes this statement. He says, this illness does not lead to death. Well, as we read the story, it kind of certainly does lead to death. But Jesus is saying, it doesn't, this isn't where it finishes. This isn't the end of the story. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, I would dare to suggest that there are times when our hearts are deeply moved. Morning, Pauline. Our hearts are deeply moved over someone we love and their situation. And our natural response is, I need to go to them. And there's something I would tend towards that as my default anyway. Let's go while we think of it. Let's don't delay. Let's get on with it and be proactive. Act quickly. Respond now. Because actually we don't know what's going to be further down the road. So that would be my natural response. And I would encourage people to be like that, particularly pastorally and all the other relationally in our families and so on is beneficial is good usually to act promptly but there's something else we need to be aware of and that is the work of the holy spirit and sometimes the holy spirit will just hold us back and just say hold your fire um easy tiger do you know what i mean it's like whoa, whoa. and then we just need to pull into god and say come on then lord what is it what is what is the wisdom what is the heavenly take on this? What is God saying? So Jesus holds back. <clears throat> then after he said this to his disciples, uh, sorry, then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. So after the two days, he's saying, OK, guys, let's go. Let's go to Judea. <clears throat> and the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But anyone who walks in the night, he stumbles because <clears throat> the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Sorry, my voice is going, <clears throat> excuse me, a little croaky. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go and awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> Let's go, because we might as well die with him. Do you know? Right. So Jesus is saying, right, we're going to go now, guys. And now I love this relationship that his disciples have with him. And I think the Chosen series brings it out pretty well. I haven't watched it all, but I need to watch it. And about I think it brings it out pretty well. This kind of like easy exchange so that Jesus is the rabbi he's the top guy he's the only one of them who's got 
the Messiah. He's the only Messiah there, isn't he? And he's in, he's supercharged with the Holy Spirit. They all know that. They all respect that. And yet they can banter with him and argue a bit with him and say, hold on a minute, Jesus. They want to kill you there. Are you really sure? Are you really sure you want to go there? Rabbi, so it's respectful, it's courteous, but it's easy. There's an easy flow of relationship and the disciples are at ease to kind of have expressed their views to Jesus. And I think that's really cool and it's inspiring and helpful I think for anyone in leadership to try and develop that culture in the team where we recognize each other's authority and role and everything else but there's that easy flow that healthy banter that bit of exchange whoa whoa hold on a minute whoa whoa what are we talking about here let me get this straight we're gonna well okay we're all gonna go and die I love Thomas's sense of humor is kind of dry and a little bit <laughs> kind of eeyore-ish oh well I guess we'll all go to Jerusalem and die with him um, someone I read this morning that there there is a belief within church tradition that Thomas was called Didymus, the twin, because he looked very like Jesus. So you can imagine him thinking, um, what if they get me by mistake because I look like Jesus? Maybe it's that, maybe it's not, but it's a kind of fun thought. Anyway, so Jesus's disciples are kind of like, OK, OK, we're going back to the the place where we're literally running towards the threat rather than staying clear of it but Jesus is going to go and raise Lazarus it's interesting when they when um they say lord if he's fallen asleep he he will recover the word therefore recover is sozo which is the word we have for saved when we talk about someone being saved it's that greek word sozo and it doesn't just mean um, be saved but it means kind of be made whole and safe and well and sound and all that kind of stuff so it's a really profound word and I think the idea they had well kind of if he's sleeping he'll wake up and he'll feel a lot better that's probably what he needs a good sleep you know and then he'll feel a whole lot better and so we don't need to go and stick our heads in the mouth of a shark <clears throat> unnecessarily however it's a pointless arguing with Jesus isn't it I think <laughs> seems to me okay verse 17 now when Jesus came he found that Lazarus had already been in the, in, in the tomb four days he'd already been in the tomb four days that's a long time that's longer than Jesus was when it was his turn four days Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles off and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming he went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Wow. How many funerals have you been to where they read that out? That is a beautiful scripture, isn't it? I, Jesus, is saying, I personally, I personally am the resurrection and the life. It's not like I have the power to raise him from the dead. I am the resurrection and the life. I am it. <laughs> it's all me. Here we go. I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, 
Though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I love Martha. Listen to her. Listen to this statement. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. She didn't have any doubts in her mind. Number one, that Jesus could perfectly well raise Lazarus from the dead now. She she was a woman of faith. Let's never underestimate Martha, for goodness sake. All the Martha haters, slap yourself right now. She is a woman of God. She's a friend of Jesus. She knows him well. And she's got clear insight into who he is, who is true, what his true identity is, and that he is the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. Now, Peter, when he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus gave him a gold star and said, well done, Peter, you're the rock. On this rock, I build my church. When Martha says it, Jesus just kind of doesn't even say anything. He doesn't say, hey, what well on, sister, you got it. You got it, baby. He just kind of seems to pass over it. I kind of think, <laughs> oh my, Martha, she's really got it. She's a woman of revelation and insight. Right, I need to press on. So when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Now, I suspect the house was full of people, everyone weeping and wailing. And, oh, it's a tragedy. All dressed in black and kind of Mary sat there in dignified silence in a room on her own. Martha goes to get her and says, Mary, the teacher's here and he's asking for you. I love it as well. This is a really good statement that David Guzik brings out. He says that the rabbis did not teach the women. And yet for Martha and Mary, he was the teacher. He was the one who taught them. Mary used to sit at his feet, didn't she? And listen with just rapt attention while Martha was clattering about in the kitchen doing the food, Mary was just absolutely rapt listening to Jesus, enjoying his teaching. This was a teacher who taught women. Let me, oh, come on. Anyone who's a bit iffy about that. Jesus was the um, friend of women and men. And these ladies whatever age they were they were his friends they were his companions and part of his team and part of his crew so the teacher's here and is calling for you and when she heard it she rose quickly and went to him now Jesus had not yet come into the village but was still in the place where Martha had met him so he's kind of loitering out in the pre in the uh, outside area somewhere outside the village because he knows when he gets in there it's going to be full on everything happening all at once and so when the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out they followed her supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet got bear in mind this weeping and mourning house full of people We're in day four now of this. This is a proper sadness moment. This is a sad party, isn't it? This is a house full of grief where everyone's going, oh my, and they're really committed to this and they've been doing it for four days and they're going strong. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, 
and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Now, in my book, I talk a bit about this. Someone pointed out to me once that that where it talks about Jesus being deeply moved, the word can be used for the snorting of a horse. It's like that. And this is a war horse snorting, which I would imagine when they snort, it kind of invokes terror in the enemy as these powerful animals with their super powerful horsemen on top with their spears and swords and armor and everything comes towards you and this animal's snorting is a moment of whoo and when Jesus snorts this is not just because he's got hay fever or guitar this is Jesus in a moment of deep he where he's deeply moved in his spirit and troubled this is a this is profound Jesus is a human being he's full of the Holy Spirit this is the Holy Spirit shaking him and moving him deeply as he meets Mary so when he sees when he saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled and he said where have you laid him and they said to him Lord come and see Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? It's interesting that Mary doesn't say anything different than what Martha said. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She knows Jesus is the key to Lazarus. And he could have healed him. But now four days in the grave, it seems like that bird has flown. That ship has sailed, doesn't it? But here we go. Jesus is saying, where have you laid him? So they take him there. And the, and the people are just saying, oh, man, I, you know, I wonder if Jesus had been to have saved him, you know, and could have kept him from dying. He obviously had something pretty serious wrong with him but you know Jesus is Jesus and he could open the eyes of the blind I mean really a miracle I I say it, a miracle is a miracle a big miracle is as impossible as a small miracle surely by very definition a miracle is something we can't do ordinarily by ourselves we certainly couldn't make someone's unless we were a skillful optical surgeon we couldn't give someone their sight back um, but we can pray for them and God can do it. And Jesus said, and so Jesus is the one who can do the big miracles and the small miracles. He can heal someone's back pain. He can raise someone from the dead. He can bring someone out of a coma. He can multiply food. He can do all these things. And my job, part of my job is to galvanise God's people to a place where we actually believe that stuff and are willing to have a go and step out and say, come on then, Lord, let's see you do it. Let's see you do it. I believe you're with me. I believe you've called me. I believe you filled me with your Holy Spirit. Right. Come on then. Where's the Lord God of Elijah? Anyway, let's move on or else we'll never get there. Verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb or came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it, like the one in front of Jesus's tomb when he was in a tomb. Jesus said, take away the stone. Notice he doesn't just flick it to one side like 
because it's a little stone. It's a big stone. It needs some people to move it. And so he says, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odour. For he has been dead four days. I mean, obviously he was in a coolish kind of place, like a rock tomb, which was probably one of the cooler places you could be in Judea at the time. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I mean, the decomposition has already started. And uh, let's not even think about what will be going on inside a dead man's body by that amount of days in a warm climate. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Come on, <laughs> that is a really cool rebuke. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Let's just take that on board for ourselves. Lord, I believe. Let me see the glory of God. I believe. I believe. Let me see the glory of God. Amen. And so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Then a side note, I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go <laughs> you would never forget seeing that would you in your whole entire life as long as you lived you would never forget seeing a dead man coming from this dark recesses of this rock hewn tomb wrapped in cloth kind of staggering around unable to see where he's going and does he still smell dead <laughs> Did all that smell suddenly just go when Jesus commanded? I don't know. I can't imagine he smelled that great being wrapped in... <laughs> anyway, there he is coming out of the tomb. Wrapped in linen strips, his hands and feet bound. What was he doing? Kind of like a little pogo jump. <laughs> I mean, this is for real. This really happened. This is Jesus Oh, my life. Jesus doing what he does. He raises the dead. He is the resurrection and the life. It's like if Jesus had said those statements to Martha and then, you know, just in the course of a normal day, they would have been remarkable. But to then literally demonstrate his power and supremacy and authority over death in front of this huge crowd crowd of people because I would imagine as they all went to the tomb probably half the village came as well there was a big crowd there and Jesus he's so calm isn't he roll away the stone he knows exactly what's going on here he knows exactly what's about to happen he lifts up his eyes and he says father thank you that you hear me he says thank you that you always hear me I love do we have that confidence? I think we can have. I think we can have that same confidence that you always hear me, Lord. Anyway, right, let's press on. Verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore. So anyway, Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. Come on, guys. Don't just stand there with your mouths open. Although it is an amazing moment. You can imagine people with their phones now, wouldn't they? Selfie in front of the dead guy just coming out of the tomb. Whoa, Jesus, let's get you in as well. Because you did it. Woohoo. And but yeah, anyway, 
unbind him. Get the guy free. Don't just have a <laughs> kind of the curse of the mummy kind of following you around everywhere you go. Let's get this guy out of these things and free to go. Live his life. Important to say, though, that Lazarus did die. He went on to die. He's not still alive now. So this wasn't like the resurrection as in the final resurrection where we get a new body. We're like Jesus. Um, but this is a Jesus raising him from the dead to live a number more years and to live his life and probably tell everyone he met this incredible story about how he was dead and now he's alive. Righty-ho, so verse 45, many of the Jews therefore had come with Mary and seen what he did, believed in him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do for this man performs many signs? If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year, who was the high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it's better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for the nation only excuse me, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So it wasn't just, so John is really emphasising that point that Jesus made in the previous chapter, that I have other sheep who are not of this particular sheepfold. They're not Jewish. They're not part of the Israel nation, <clears throat> but they are, I'm going to gather them together. So John is really, so this high priest says, oh, come on. You know, it's better that we just let this one guy be the fall guy. Let him take the hit for the whole nation. We'll get him and we'll arrest him, silence him. And uh, and then it's better that that happens than we all get in trouble from the Romans. And so what he, John, John says, this guy was actually prophesying but didn't realise it. And so... Um, so, but he's then John picks it up and says, this is, this was always the plan that Jesus would die, not just for the nation of Israel, but for all of God's children who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. <clears throat> Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. And there he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think? Will he, that will, will he not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. So... Jesus is the talk of the town. He's the hot gossip. Everyone wants to know whether he's going to be there at the great feast. He's the one everyone's interested in. Meanwhile, the chief priests have sent the word out that if anyone knows where Jesus is, they're to let them know, let the chief priests know so that they can kill him. But what an incredible story, isn't it? Lazarus raised from the dead. Oh, my goodness. 
So what's the takeaway one for us today? Maybe this one. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Come on. Lord Jesus, we want to exercise our faith. We want to just not just have a passive faith in you, but an active faith where we see you doing extraordinary things through us, through little old me, little old us, that you would use us for your glory. And even today, Lord, wherever we're meeting together as your church, come among us and do extraordinary things. Lord, keep us talking about Jesus. Let him be the one we're talking about, not the latest series on Netflix. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a stunning day, you guys. Nice to see you, George and Alastair, Cathy. God bless you all.